So welcome once again. Tonight we are starting a one-part message called Worship. And this was actually supposed to be a two-part message, but it kind of got messed up by the snowstorm a little bit. But the drive of tonight and where I'm taking us is to really next Friday night, because we're going to have a worship night next Friday night. So I just kind of want to build some excitement in our hearts. I want to stir you guys up and kind of point us to what real worship is all about, because I've had some of the most amazing experiences in worship with you guys here at the green room. And and I'm a pastor, I've been to other churches, I went to Christian school, and they've all had worship nights, but some of the most amazing times is right here in this room when we just dedicate the night to God in worship. We've seen him show up in some really awesome ways, and so I just wanna stir you guys on tonight and just build that passion in our hearts and really talk about worship tonight. But I think where I need to start is, to be honest with you guys, that I am not a worship leader I am not an expert on this situation. If I sang tonight, the youth group would be a lot smaller than what it really is. It would be really painful for a lot of you guys in the room tonight. I used to think that I knew a lot about worship. I remember one time when I was in high school, and this is a pretty crazy story, sitting in a room with a pastor who who was in charge of worship, and I was telling him what real worship was all about. I was telling him how he should change it at his church, and I knew all the answers about it, and I I was telling him everything, and I was insulting him, and it was a really bad situation, because here's the problem, is I thought I knew a lot more than I really did, and here's a quick lesson, guys. People who think they know everything oftentimes really don't know much at all, because at that time in my life, I really didn't know that much about worship, and this guy knew way more than I did. And you'll often find people that say that they don't know that much about stuff usually have a pretty good grasp on things. And so here I am telling this guy how worship should be because I used to be a part of a worship team. And, and I thought that our model was the best. And I thought if you didn't do worship like this, then, then you were missing out on the real experience. That this is the only way that God could move. And I used to think that I was going to be a worship leader. And, and that was a scary, scary thing. Um, I used to be so passionate about worship, and I still am, but there was just that passion in me to kind of become a worship leader one day, and I used to love worship. I used to love coming here to the green room on Friday nights. I, I love Thursday morning chapel, and I love Sunday morning, just being able to worship, and I was passionate about it, and I, I would sing out loud with all my heart, and, and you have to understand, this is a time, this was probably seventh or eighth grade, when a lot of people weren't passionate about worship. They didn't really care too much about worship. So it would be me and my one friend every week in chapel, and, and we were like the people that, you know, we had our hands in the air, we were worshiping, and the, I'll never forget this one moment. I'm just standing next to my friend, and I'm just singing as loud as I can like I did every week, and he just looked at me, and he goes, dude, you are killing me. This is so painful. You need to get some voice lessons or stop singing because I can't even worship anymore. And I, that kind of crushed a lot of my dreams because I thought that I was destined to be this amazing worship leader and, and it really hurt a lot. But I still love worship, but I am by no means no expert. And what I'm gonna share with you guys tonight is just what I see in scripture. And, and, and I'm just gonna do my best to explain it and just, let's see what God has to say, and I think a good place for us to start is the basics, because I understand this in the room tonight, that there are some of you that have been involved in church your whole life, and you guys know a whole lot about worship. You probably even know more than I, more than I do, and then there's some of you in the room tonight that probably don't know much of it at all, so I just want to cover some big questions about worship and just kind of talk about this a little bit to help us all understand it and ultimately get us to a point 
where God will speak freshly about worship to everyone in this room, whether you know a lot about it or you don't know much about it at all. And so my definition of worship is this, and this is what I see in scripture. This is not just something I made up. It's um, exalting God for all he is and all he's done. If we could just boil it down into just one short little sentence, that's what I would say it is. And I guess we gotta talk about that word exalt for a little bit. That word exalt means literally to like lift something up, to glorify it, to put it above other things. And, and I think that should be the real heart of worship, is that we would edify God, we would push him up, we would raise him above everything else to make him the famous one, the one that our eyes look to during that time. And I think for a lot of you, your idea of worship is corporate worship times, what we do here in church services. And, and that is a good part of worship. What, what happens here on Friday nights is an amazing expression of worship. We come here and we raise our hands and we pray that God would do something awesome. But worship is more than that, but that's where I want to start. And maybe some of you are sitting here tonight like, all right, why do you guys do this? What's the point of it? Where did this all come from? And there are a lot of verses, but I just chose one and I really want to work with that first in this part of the message. And this is what it says in Colossians 3. Let the word of Christ dwell richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so this is just one of the examples of worship in the Bible. There are tons of other examples of what should be done in a corporate setting like this. I mean, you can trace it even back to the Old Testament. David used to play his harp to God, and he would often sing to God. Trace it even farther back after Um, The Israelites had crossed the Red Sea. The first thing that they had done when they crossed the Red Sea was they all stopped right there. They broke out their instruments, their tambourines, whatever they had, and they just sang songs of praise to God to thank him for what he had just done. And there are many more throughout the Bible. And if you guys want to go a little bit deeper in that, you can. But this is just one example of what God has called us to do. It's, it's a way that he has called us to express our gratitude for him in a lot of ways. So that's why we do what we do in here. It's because what we see in scripture and the way that God has called us to worship him. The next thing is why do people raise their hands in church? And I, I don't care if you've been in church your whole life. There was a time when you thought that was really weird. Uh, sometimes I still think it's weird and I do it all the time. It's like, what is this guy doing? Did someone just score a touchdown? I have this urge so bad just to slap them and high five so bad. One day I'm gonna do that. One day I'm gonna get the courage just to walk up to random patients and be like, right on, brother. He's gonna look at me and be like, what the heck? And then my favorite is when people go like this too. I just wanna put something in their hands. Like, have you just find they got their eyes closed and I just put like a log in their hands. They open it like, the heck? That'd be so funny. Don't do any of the things I just told you to do. These are my deep, dark secrets. But why is it that we do these things? And this is what I found to be true in Scripture. It's a sign of blessing God. That You see this example throughout the Old Testament that when people and, and uh, priests would raise their hand, it was something that went along with blessing something else. It was when you did that, this was a blessing to someone else. And that's part of the reason why we do it. And the second reason why we do it is because it shows our dependence to God. And there's something that moves his heart when we do this. Um, example I hear Doug say is that it's kind of like a, a, a child. You know, when, when a child runs up to their parents and it lifts up their hands, a parent can't help but lift up that child unless it's an ugly child. Then I would say, yo, go to your mother. I'm not lifting you up. 
I'm just kidding. That is so terrible. God, God lifts up all his children. Amen. Um, <laughs> but that is something that moves God's heart when we lift up our hands like that. He can't help but draw near to us in that way. So that's a little bit. I hope that helps some of you that have been struggling this. And I hope you understand why you see this in church now. Because it's just people expressing their love and blessing towards God. And they're just trying to draw near to him. There, there isn't anything really hot, um, weird behind it. They just want to be close to God in that. And just the verse to show you guys that it's a biblical thing and not something that Christians have just made up is Psalms 134, verse 1 and 2. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. This is something that Christians have been doing for a long time, lifting their hands in worship. Um, I'm sure some of you guys have heard this about worship. And this may be for some of you that have been in a long church a longer time, is that worship is a lot more than just singing songs to God. It's a lifestyle, right? You can worship God in the choices that you make. When you're in a fight, with your parents, and you choose not to talk back to them, that's a form of worshiping God with your life. It's when you're all alone at home, and you're tempted to go on that website, right? And, and you could go there, but you say no. That, that is a form of worshiping God with your life. See, worship is a lot more than what happens in this room. It's the way you live your life. It's the things that you do to glorify him, that other people can look at that and say, wow, that person is different. That is a form of worship in your life. And here's kind of where I I really want to go tonight, because we've touched on a lot of good things about worship, but I've seen the move in the church lately, and not just our church, this this is all church, churches. There's this move to make worship all about ourselves. I just see it everywhere I go. And I want to tell you guys that that is not the heart of worship. Worship is not about you or me. It's about exalting God. See, so many of us like worship services for the wrong reasons. We like it because it's entertaining, or we have a great band, or we get caught up with the lights and the fog. And that is not what worship is about. Maybe you like to raise your hands in worship, to show other people, oh, I'm such a strong Christian. And maybe that's how you make worship about yourself and take away the glory from God. Or maybe for you it's, I have a really good voice, so I'm gonna sing really loud so other people will recognize me. That's another form of making worship all about yourself. And I see this, guys, so much in the church. Worship is not about what we can get out of it. See, I think there's some of you that are even coming here and you're going, all right, I gotta worship because I need God to do this and I need God to do this and, and if maybe if I worship him, then he'll hear me and do these things. That still isn't what worship is about. And if that's your attitude of what you can get out of it from God, maybe he'll bless you if you do this, then you are still missing out on the point of worship. And that is a byproduct of what happens in worship. When you have a true heart of worship and you're worshiping God in spirit and in truth, then he'll meet you right there in that moment. But that can't be our attitude. That can't be where our heart is because then we're missing it because it's all about exalting God. Let me talk to some of you worship team members. And, And this isn't speaking to anyone directly in our church. I'm not saying that I noticed this in anyone. This is a warning. Do you guys remember why Satan fell, why Lucifer fell? It's because he was the worship leader and he wanted 
all the glory for himself. He thought he was such a good singer. He thought that people should be singing to him instead of God and worship team members. Worship isn't about you either. It's not about the pants that you're wearing. You know, you think you get a cool outfit. I can say these things because I was there. I played on a worship team. I can be a little bit in your face because that was me for a time in my life. That's what I thought worship was about. And I made it about me in that way. And worship team, you are missing the point of what worship is really all about. If your focus is on yourself throughout that set, our eyes need to be on God throughout it because otherwise we aren't really worshiping him the way that he desires. Um, John Wesley, a, a great theologian, said this about worship. He said, sing spiritually. Have an eye to God in every word you sing. Aim at pleasing him more than yourself. Attend strictly to the sense of what you sing and see that your heart is not carried away with sound but offered to God continually. I love what he says. Aim at pleasing him more than yourself. Focus on him. Don't get carried up. Don't get wrapped up in the words. It's all about him. And so guys, here's what's at stake tonight. We will miss out on what God wants to do in our lives if our worship worship isn't pointing towards him. If it's pointing towards us and what we can get on it, we will never tap into the deep places of God that we want to get to and I want to get to. And this is something I see in my life sometimes. So I'm right here with you. I'm working this out in my own life. You know, so often I'm sitting up there and going, God, fill this room, God, fill this room. And, and, and that is a good thing. But what my heart should really be saying is, God, be glorified. God, be glorified. God, be glorified. And so tonight we're gonna look at an example of two people that I really believe lived this out to the fullest. And my heart is that we would learn from them tonight. And so we are going to be in Acts 16, and we'll kind of walk through this story. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left. So I know what you guys are thinking right now. What in the world does this have to do with worship? Trust me, we will get there in a little bit, but we need to start here. So here is Paul and Silas. They were walking around, just preaching God's word, and they enter a new town, and here comes this girl, and, and she was possessed by a de- demonic spirit. And this spirit was making the girl follow Paul and Silas, right? And so everywhere they're going, she's shouting, these are servants of the most high God. And you know what the first thing I think is cool about this is that even though that this girl was possessed, she still could recognize that God is the most high God and that these are men of God. See, God has all power over all things. Even the demons have to tremble at his feet and we see that right here in this verse. And so here they are just walking out and you know, it, it got annoying after a while. It's kind of not even a bad thing that she was doing, but it just got annoying to Paul. So eventually he turned around and because he has all power in Jesus' name, he cast this demon out of this girl. Two years ago, 
we were um, playing laser tag with a bunch of my friends. And I'm not really into laser tag. I think it's all rigged. I don't think the guns really work because they always tell me that my gun is not working. Okay. And so we're there with a bunch of my friends. That wasn't even funny. Oh my gosh. So we're there with a bunch of my friends, right? And Andrew's there. And all of a sudden, these two boys come out of nowhere, right? And they are just following Andrew with their guns. And they are shooting him all night long. Like, like here's Andrew and here are them. And, they, and everywhere he went, there they were behind him, taunting him and teasing him, just shooting him. And it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen because I had no idea where these little boys came from. And, I, and for whatever reason, they were drawn to Andrew. But when I was reading this script, I realized what was going on. They were demonically possessed and they recognized God inside of Andrew and they were following him. That is what was going on. It all makes sense now. I'm I'm just teasing. I don't think those boys were really demonically possessed. But Andrew did cast some demons out of them and then they left. But no, I'm just joking. I I don't think those boys were like that. But it was still hysterical. They wouldn't leave him alone. and, And Andrew was getting really annoyed after a while. I saw it in his face. There was something in him that wanted to take the gun and just bash them in the face with it. Like he was getting so angry. He really was that mad. He'll tell you the story afterwards. And I think that's kind of what Paul and Silas were going through in this moment, man. They were like, yo, get this girl away from us. She's driving us crazy. And so I hope that helps you guys understand a little bit about where Paul and Silas were with that whole situation. Let's go to verse 19. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar. By advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, which was the hardest place to break out of, and fastened their feet into stocks. So all of a sudden, Paul and Silas go from having probably a pretty good day to a really rough day. I don't know what the worst day in your life is, but I'm pretty sure it might not measure up too bad to what Paul and Silas were going through that day. I mean, they were minding their business, and all of a sudden, this girl starts annoying him. They do her a favor. They cast the demon out. And now, because they did that, the owners got mad because they knew they couldn't make money anymore. So they throw them in jail. And not only are they thrown in jail, but they're beaten. Did you guys catch that verse? They're beaten for what they have done. And now they are in jail. That is a pretty bad day that they are having. And this next verse is gonna be so important. And I really hope that you guys get this and see this tonight. And this is what it says in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Here they are in the middle of a terrible day. They do something that you and I would not do. They start to sing songs to God. And here's what it's important that we catch. I don't think that their motivation right there for singing those songs was for God to break them out of prison. I really don't believe that. There's no way I can ultimately tell that. But I believe they were singing to God 
because they just wanted to exalt him because he was glorious to them. And no matter where they were at that moment, they were gonna lift him up. See, it wasn't about them. It wasn't about their circumstances in that, mor- in that night. They were going to glorify God and nothing was gonna stop them from doing that. See, guys, I think we have so much to learn from that because the last thing I would be doing after I was thrown in jail and beaten would be praying to God. The last thing I would be doing is singing songs to him. I'd be angry at him in that moment. But here they are with the focus completely off themselves saying that God is still on his throne. God is still in control. He has us here for a reason. We don't know what it is, but we're gonna glorify him. We're gonna exalt him. And it was not about themselves. It's because they loved and cared God and they wanted to exalt him. Let's go to the next verse. This is what it says. And the other prisoners were listening to them. When we worship in spirit and in truth, people will watch us. The world will watch what's going on here because they've never seen something so selfless. See, our world is so selfish. People care about themselves. But if we would really abandon ourselves in worship, like Paul and Silas were doing right there in that moment, in the midst of being shackled together, people will watch. People will take notice. And God will have a great stage. But it's so important that we worship in spirit and truth like Paul and Silas were. Let's go to verse 26. And and this is so cool. This is what happens when you exalt God. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Here they are, just singing these songs, not sure what's gonna happen, and God's heart is moved on their behalf. See, if we would do that, guys, God's presence would shake this place. Paul and Silas were just men, like we are tonight. They they were just people. I don't know if this is true or not, but I like to think that Paul's voice was bad. I I don't know why. It just makes the story a little bit nicer for me. It makes me feel better tonight. But if we were singing tonight, God could do the same thing for us. I don't think he had a special voice. I don't think he had a special talent. But God was inside of him, just like he's inside of us. And I think that God wants to do that on our behalf. But see, it wasn't their motive for this to happen. But that's what happens when we do this. God will move on our behalf and he'll come in this place and he'll shake us up. And that is an awesome gift that he gives us. So let's go to the next verse to see what happens after this. And there's so many good things that are going on in this verse about worship. At once, all the doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. This is the power of worship at work now. You guys starting to see all the things that come out of this? Worship has the power to break chains on your life. Things that you have been praying about for a really long time. Answers you have been waiting on. Maybe the answer for you is in worship. Maybe it's time 
for you to stop thinking about your problems during worship and focusing your eyes off your problems and on God instead, and maybe those chains would come flying off. See, I don't think their eyes were focused on their chains in that moment. I think their eyes were focused on God. See, God can break the chains in your life if you'll really worship him. And not only will he break the chains off your life, but he'll break the chains off other people in your life. The people who weren't singing in that room, the people who weren't glorifying God, the chains came off them too. And maybe there's some people in the room that you've been praying for. Maybe there's some people who need a breakthrough in your life. Then maybe you should worship and God will break the chains in their life too. Let's go to this next verse. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Let's stop there for a second. Worship will give you compassion for your enemies. This is the guy that had just enslaved them. This is the guy that had just done all these horrible things to them. And what do they do? They have compassion on him. They they don't go flying out the doors. See, that's part of the reason why I don't think that this was their intention to begin with. Is because if it was, they probably would have just ran out as soon as it happened. No, but they were waiting there. They they were sitting there because they were just worshiping God. And they have compassion on their enemy. If you really worship God, then you'll have compassion for your enemies. Have you ever entered a worship service angry, bitter, jealous, filled with hate in your heart? I know I have. And then once that music starts playing, it just kind of breaks down all those walls, right? And that anger that you once had, all that jealousy, that bitterness just slowly begins to break down. See, that's the power of worship a work in our lives. Let's keep going. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his household were baptized. Worship has the power to lead others to God. When we worship like this, and maybe there's someone who doesn't know God, there's power here. There's power in this to lead them to God, just like this person was saved. God did something awesome in his life. And they were in the middle of something hard. Imagine if we worshiped like that through hard things that were going on in our lives. And and I understand how hard that can be. I, I've been there. I've walked there. When I'm in the middle of a hard thing and then someone comes up to you and they're like, come on, man, worship through it. Pray to God through it. And I'm like, I just want to throw you in the middle of 347 right now and go back to my pity party for myself. You know what I mean? It's like, don't talk to me about that. I don't, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to go through that. But if you really love God and you want to see the situation change, and worship him through it. He's the same God who is good to you in the good times. And he'll carry you through the bad times too. Don't stop worshiping him just because things are bad. Paul and Silas didn't. Their life was a mess in that moment. They didn't stop worshiping him. And he came through on their behalf. 
And then it's important that we worship through the good times too. I, I think sometimes it can be a lot easier to worship through the hard times sometimes. And I, I know that might sound weird to you, but during the good times, it's really easy to forget about God. It just seems like everything's going right. So why do I need God? Everything's falling into place right now. But he's the one that's holding things together in that moment. He's still the same God who deserves our praise even when things are good. I urge you guys, don't forget about God in the good times. Still worship him in the good times. And so here's the bottom line. Here, here's what I want you guys to get tonight and walk away with. That true worship is all about God. It's all about God. It's time for us to stop saying, God, what can I get out of this? God, how can I lift myself up in this and say, God, it's all about you. I want you to be lifted up. I want you to be exalted. And I want you to receive the honor and praise you deserve. Guys, get our eyes off of ourselves. There is a God who has done so much for us, who deserves this praise. The only thing he ever did was send us Jesus. He would deserve our praise tonight. I hope you get that and you understand that tonight, how worthy he is of it. When you understand the depth of your sin and your unworthiness, that's when real worship begins to build up. That's when it comes together. It's when you realize how wretched you are. And, and I realize how wretched I am tonight and how much I don't deserve God's love and his compassion in my life. And I pray that you would see that and how worthy he is. I want to close with this story. There was a church in England and uh, the pastor there had felt like this was going on in his church. He felt like everyone in the church had their eyes on themselves. They made it about the band. They made it about the songs. They made it about the worship team. Any way they could take their eyes off God, they basically did. And so the pastor did something really bold. He said, we're not gonna do this anymore. And so he took away the sound system, took away the mics, took away the band, and everyone sat in their seats for worship. And they just kind of sang songs. No one really let it. They just came in, they focused on God, and they sang. And they sang, and this went on for weeks and weeks. And there was a famous worship pastor, uh, probably not at the time, but in the future he would become, and his name was Matt Redman. Most of you guys probably don't know him. He was big during uh, my time when I was growing up. And he just fell on his hands and his knees because he felt kind of responsible. He was the worship pastor of the church. And he just prayed that God would give him something, that God would give him a song or just an idea that he could help the church break out of this kind of current state that they were in. And while he was there, God just gave him this song and it's called The Heart of Worship. And, and one of the lyrics is, God, I'm coming back to the heart of worship because it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I wish I was a musical pastor. I could have sang that. That would have been like 20 times more powerful, but <laughs> it's still powerful. That it's all about God. It's all about his heart and that we exalt him and lift him up. So as we prepare this week for the worship night that is coming up, I pray that you guys would start to do this, that you would search your hearts. You say, God, in what ways are my eyes on myself in worship? In what ways do I need to change? What ways do I just need to exalt you and glorify you more? Because our eyes need to be off ourselves. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for everyone in this room, Lord. I pray, God, that we would truly get what real worship is all about, God. 
that we would take our eyes more and more off ourselves, that it would be all about you, God, that we wouldn't settle, God, for mundane things, mundane levels of worship, God, that we would press deeper, Lord, and the only way to do that is if we take our eyes off ourselves. I pray, God, that you would give us the strength to worship in the good and bad times, no matter what the season is, that we would see you as glorious, Lord, that we would see you as worthy of deserving our praise, God. I pray for anyone that's not there yet, Lord, and I just thank you for them first and foremost, God, but I pray that you would lead them to that, God, that you would begin to do that in their hearts, Lord. If, if worship is boring to anyone in the room tonight, God, I pray that it would come alive to them, Lord, that they would be passionate, that they would be excited about it, Jesus. I pray, God, that your presence would be here, but most of all, that we would exalt you. In your name I pray, amen.